everybody. Welcome back to Jump 95, Episode 7, End of the Year Edition. It's uh, right between Christmas and New Year's. We've got the holiday season going. I'm your host, Hayden. I'm here with Coach Derek and Maddie B. Boys, how you doing so far? How your holidays been? Loving that holiday, you know. Getting a good little break, getting to see some family. Glad to be back on the pod. Oh, yeah. Derek, how you doing, buddy? Yeah, always good times around the holidays for me. Uh, no complaints over here. Uh, we actually actually got our first win yesterday. Hey, that's that's gonna be my question. How's the team doing? Yeah, yeah, we won by thirty five yesterday. So okay, good win too. Damn. Yeah, finally, finally got to play someone outside of our league. So <laughs> your conference pretty pretty intense, I guess. Yeah, it's down a bit this year, but overall, it's still good. Nice. That's awesome. That's that's very exciting. So. As we record this episode, it's like I said, post Christmas coming up on the New Year's. There was a lot of Christmas games. There was a lot of games last night. I have a we were we were prepared to to record a little early in the week post Christmas, but there's still a lot of good news from that. Let's talk about some of the Christmas games because we did our pickums. Now I don't want to brag, but I will brag. And I came out on top. Three. I got three out of two games. You guys both got two out of three. Two. Three out of two. That's impressive. Man, it's it's seven ten in the morning. That made no sense as I said that. Uh, I went three and two out of the five games. You guys both went two and three. Um, let's talk a little Christmas game action. Uh, what was your guys' favorite game? Oh, I can go over the, the quick the quick scores. So Celtics versus Raptors. Celtics on top, one eighteen to one hundred two. Seventy Sixers beat the Bucks, one twenty one one hundred nine. Warriors beat Rockets, one sixteen one hundred four. And Clips over Lakers, 111 over, uh, to 106. Pels over Nugs, 112 to 100. What games did you guys watch? Did you watch any all the way through? Did you watch a lot? I think I watched three and a half of the four games. Didn't have anything to do. We're, we're in California. We weren't with any family. So we had a little Christmas morning together. And then I watched a lot of basketball. <laughs> hey, learn how to count, man. We've already gone through this. There's more than four games. Did I say four? <laughs> we need you. All right, this is where I stop talking and let you guys talk. Go ahead. Talk about basketball and stuff. Um, I think definitely you got to hit on that Lakers-Clips game. It was close and record viewership, I think, for a Christmas Day game. I'm a fan of both teams, so that was most exciting to me. I don't know if you want to break down the actual game. Is that what we're doing here? Let's talk about it. Yeah, that was a that was the game I think everybody was talking about going into, going into Christmas. Is Clippers versus Lakers. That the two teams in LA, Lakers historically are the best team. They have the most championships, obviously, but the Clippers are looking incredible this year. Um, yeah, it, it was it was a good game. I, I didn't get a chance to watch the whole thing. I think I watched the second half of the game, but uh, obviously the ending came down to Kawhi just being Kawhi, LeBron trying to make things happen, and the Clippers defense just being ridiculously just terrifying i mean the fact that the end of the game is lebron being guarded by pat beverly everybody thought going into the season that Kawhi and paul george would be the two defenders that you don't want to be against but then you forget that they have pat beverly who basically saved the game for him against one of the greatest players of all time um it was intense i i have my notes saying pat beverly feels like this year's draymond green i guess when it comes down to defensively there's nobody that pat bev is scared of and he he's so fun to watch. He's such a pain in the ass. Like he just he's kind of like a rec a rec league player that just wants to get in your head over and over. He doesn't care about the stats. He doesn't care what's going on. He'll use his fouls, but he looked inc- he just he shaped, saved the game and it made LeBron look a little embarrassed and I don't know uh how that how that 
how that plays out for the Lakers and Clippers because the Lakers, at that point, they were on a three-game losing streak. Yeah, I thought it was uh, interesting. Uh, Pat Beverly, the 32 minutes he played, uh, the Clippers outscored the Lakers by 26 in the minutes that Pat Beverly, in the minutes that Beverly played. So they absolutely just ran all over the Lakers when Beverly was actually on the court. And I think it's a real positive for the Clippers that they came away with the win in that game where Paul George was terrible, or at least shooting-wise. And you got nothing out of Lou Williams. So you would think that those two guys are probably going to be a little more reliable offensively moving forward. Maybe Kawhi doesn't go off like he did, but I think those other guys pick up the slack and kind of fill in those gaps there to help them continue to just stay a slight step ahead of the Lakers. Because, I mean, the Lakers didn't particularly play well offensively, but they did get 25 out of Kuzma, which I don't think you're going to get all that off. And ultimately, the, the Lakers just need Davis and LeBron to go off. That That's their formula for success. Those two need to go nuclear. That's the interesting part is it's like the Clippers can have a game where Paul George doesn't play well and they win. I don't think the Lakers can really have that very often. If LeBron doesn't put up at least... 25 if Anthony Davis doesn't put up at least 20 25 it's it's going to be a lot harder for them to win the game versus the Clippers who can have somebody else step in um so the Lakers won last night the Clippers lost to the Jazz but I still feel more worried about the Lakers than I do the Clippers I feel like when the Clippers lose I I don't know they don't seem to be shaken as much versus the Lakers yeah well here's the matchup issue right now because the Lakers I think have been way better defensively than anybody thought they'd be like they're one of the top defensive teams in the league uh, as far as what we see uh, when they're on top of their game, when they're not coasting through a game against the lower-end team. But uh, I think we've all seen how it works out, at least over the last couple of years, when LeBron's trying to be the primary defender on an excellent player. And uh, nobody else on that team is really built to go out there and guard Paul George and Kawhi Leonard on a consistent basis, especially Kawhi, because Kawhi's much bigger and stronger. Like He can match up kind of physically with LeBron. Paul George is kind of skinnier, so maybe Danny Green could go guard him, but Danny Green just isn't physically strong enough to go guard Kawhi Leonard, and that kind of leaves it up to LeBron, and uh, like I said, like he just doesn't quite have that anymore in his arsenal. Like He could go like get that one stop, maybe even like guard him for a stretch, but to make him the primary assignment on the other team's best player for an entire game, it's not a recipe for success right now. It's always difficult to to judge a LeBron led team in December in this season because because mm-hmm. LeBron does have that second gear, but he also has never been thirty five years old before playing in the NBA. And there's news of him dealing with a groin injury post game, and he still chose to play against the Blazers last night. Um, I don't know. It's weird, man. It is. A, it's weird to see LeBron in the stage of the career where occasionally he just looks incredible, and other times he looks. Like at the end of the Clippers game, like he had no idea what was going on. And I don't know. We'll see how it plays out. I think obviously both teams end up in the playoffs, but if it's seven game series, I would have, I at this point would have a really hard time picking against the Clippers. I think originally I said, I think the Lakers can go off and and win the championship this year, but the Clippers, I, I don't know how to describe it besides just feels like very professional. Like they just know how to go out and get a bucket. They know how to get a stop and they're going to get a, get a win from, from the number one guy on the team down to the number 10 guy on the team. All of them know how to contribute. Well, what's really kind of weird, it's kind of like a role reversal. Because I feel like in years past, when LeBron was on a championship caliber team, yeah, you talked about it's really tough to gauge what they're going to do 
throughout the season, like just by watching them in December, because usually his teams don't really care. Yeah. But I would say this year, like his team really does care and they have mm-hmm. all year. And the Clippers are kind of the ones that are just like, let's let's just stay healthy and get our way to the postseason. So like the Clippers are kind of in LeBron's former shoes and LeBron, like, like I said, it's kind of a role reversal right now. So like the Clippers have kind of been coasting all year, given Paul George sat a lot of games uh, coming back from his injury. Kawhi has kind of gotten a lot of those DNP rests. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, well, obviously they, they all played in this game and they stepped up and they got the win. But I think the Clippers are a little tougher to judge. Like, I think we see their ceiling, but what what's their average game going to be? Like, when Kawhi isn't going off, what are they going to look like in the playoffs? But I guess last, last season it proved that Kawhi can basically choose to go off whenever he wants. If he yep. really wants to. <laughs> if he can save it for the whole regular season, Kawhi can go off when he needs to. The, the point that I think is important here about this Clippers team is that Kawhi going off, his numbers don't need to be these other all-star numbers because the way I look at it, the Clippers are one of the best defending teams in the league. If you're going to be able to shut down the Lakers, obviously not hold them to the lowest scoring game of the season, but you were able to match up against them well, including Anthony Davis, when nobody on the Clippers is even close to seven feet tall. And you're making, you're spreading, you can spread good defenders across every position on your floor, regardless of how tall or short these guys are they're really getting it done so i think that being said when we're talking about Kawhi, if he can continue to like lead a team and carry as an all-star he has a pretty solid team he can lean on i think yeah yeah one of the things about having a great defending team is he, star players like lebron and, and anthony davis don't always have to draw doubles leaving somebody open if you can have one guy guarding these players that everybody's matched up there's not an open man all the time and I think the Clippers are comfortable just like putting guys on islands against those guys and letting them try and defend. Yeah, you see in those positions, a lot of coaches will be screaming at their players to hit the double team on LeBron when he's looking for the ISO or anybody else in that position. And the Clippers don't really seem to care so much. If we're going to talk defense, let's talk about another game. The uh, Philadelphia 76ers beat the Milwaukee Bucks, shutting down former MVP Giannis Antetokounmpo. Um, one of my picks that I originally thought might be an MVP at the beginning of the year, Joel Embiid went off for 31 points, 11 rebounds, looked like an all-star, um, played incredible, played great defense on Giannis. What's your guys' takeaway from these games? I, I was just very surprised overall. Um, you know, the Bucks just haven't let up against anybody. I guess, as you could say, the same for the Lakers, but they managed to. Um. You're a big Giannis fan. What, what do you think of his performance? Because he did not look good, to be honest. Well, we really haven't seen this year too many great. I mean, there have been a few, but like these performances where you wake up in the morning, if you didn't watch the game and you see this clip of Giannis scores 55 points in the game, like you haven't seen a lot of that. But especially that game, you are absolutely correct. Giannis did not look like the player that, you know, last year's MVP season made him out to be who he was a young guy, very well improved with something to prove. I just didn't see that same game out of him. Yeah, it was uh, kind of strange. I mean, the Sixers obviously have the defensive pieces, whether or not they put it together on a nightly basis. They have the defensive pieces to be 
absolutely elite in every facet of the game. Uh, I mean, Ben Simmons, a 6'10 point guard, can go out there. They can throw him at Giannis. They can throw Embiid at Giannis. They can throw Horford at Giannis a little bit. And most of that comes down to Giannis not really having a totally reliable jump shot. Uh, I saw a lot of people looking just at Giannis's three-point percentage, and it's I think it's right around 33% for the year right now, which is solid. Like you've seen LeBron around there, T Mac was always around there, Kobe was always around there. But I think the difference is nobody's guarding Giannis out. Like those guys were always still guarded around the three point line. Giannis is shooting 33% on just like wide open jumpers. Like I think there's even a clip that came out of this game where I think Embiid was on him, and Embiid literally turned his back on him and it was three feet away from the basket, 20 feet away from Giannis, and Giannis fired up a brick. Yeah. That's the thing is he had the game against who were the Bucks playing when Giannis went five of seven for three and everyone's like, oh shit, he's starting to hit threes. This is a real threat. And I think most teams are, are willing to take the risk of him going five from seven or five from eight from deep because that's not going to be consistent every game. But there also is, there's nothing else in between. It's the three point or he's dunking it. That's basically all he's got. Yeah. I mean, when, when he's shooting 75% in the paint or whatever he is, I'm sure it's right around there. Yeah, like, yeah. Even if he's a really good shooter, you give up the three-point shot over 75% in the paint. And it kind of looked like the Sixers strategy was let Giannis shoot, let Middleton get his, but they really did a good job of limiting what any of the role players could do. Like Nobody else got more than eight shots. Besides Giannis went eight of 27, Middleton had a big game. So the fact that they still lost, they basically got blown out. They made a little run at the end to yeah. make it look respectable. They were up by but they 30. They got blown out. Yeah, Sixers yeah. were up by 30, I think, in the third quarter. So Middleton had 31 points on 21 shots. Like, you're not getting any more than that out of him. But the rest of the team, nobody did particularly poorly. Just nobody really got great looks. Like, George Hill did all right, but Connaughton didn't do much. DiVincenzo didn't do much. Wesley Matthews didn't do much. Brooke Lopez didn't do much. They kind of just said, hey, Giannis, beat us with your jumper. Yeah, Derek, I think I really like the way you say it in that these two teams are very equal in talent. If the Sixers don't have a little more, it's just who can put it together that night. And the Bucks have been consistently putting it together and just did not look like they were putting their talent together into a great game of basketball. And the Sixers definitely were. Philly plays great at home, too. I think we all... When we looked at the pickums, I I only picked the 76ers because you guys both picked the Bucks, which kind of worked out great in my favor. But Philly plays great at home, and when they want to win, they can win. And I think I would I would love to see this series in the playoffs. I want to see the 76ers versus Bucks because I feel like it could go to seven games. It could just be home team wins every game because I think Milwaukee plays great at home. 76ers play great at home. Um, and Bead is so, he's so talented. Like he is an incredible basketball player, but he has those games where he just looks like shit. He had a zero point game earlier in the season. And then he has a game on Christmas where he goes 31 and 11. He's Duncan. He's, he's playing great defense on Giannis. He's, he's not really like, he's not as much of a liability on the floor. Sometimes he's slow and he can't get back on defense or whatever, but he was hitting some threes. He was making like shots in the paint. He was looking great. And if the, they can get that from Embiid, then they have their role players going off. I have a spoiler. There may be a, a 76er that's one of my big ballers of the week, but I, I, I said earlier, I don't think the 76ers like each other, and I still stick by that. I don't think they actually like each other as a team. But if they can win, then maybe they'll start to get used to each other. They can, they can be buddies again. But 
They just seem like a bunch of bullies on the court, a bunch of big, giant, six foot, nine and above players that are just there to make your team look bad. Giannis is such a likable character. He's such a great MVP candidate, MVP of last year. He's just such a good story. And then the 76 are just like, screw you. This is Philadelphia. We don't like anybody that's not from Philly. We're going to beat your ass and we're going to make you look bad on Christmas. And that's what they did. Yeah. I mean, the big story coming out of this, I mean, Philadelphia, they usually struggle to shoot and they shot 21 of 44 from beyond the arc. So that's probably not repeatable for them. But if they can do it once and steal a game against the Bucks in a series, then they can probably play them even the rest of the way as well, because we've seen that in the past. I mean, they were a couple bounces on the rim away from knocking off the Raptors last year. But the big thing it comes down to, it's like what you guys were saying about the Clippers and the Lakers. It's all about who can guard each other one-on-one. And the Sixers can just go guard Giannis and Middleton one-on-one and say, beat us. That They don't have to bring extra helpers to keep them out of the paint. They can keep them out of the paint on their own and force jumpers to Giannis, let Middleton go get his, and then just lock up the role players. And that's what you can do a lot of times. That's what we saw a lot of times with uh, the Cavs teams in the past. Where, yeah, like LeBron was the only guy on the team that could go beat you. But also, if you shut down all the role players, it's not like he's going to go drop 90 points. Like, if he drops 50 and you hold the rest of the team to 20% shooting, like, that's all you got to do. So, I mean, they really, it really looked like they were focusing on cutting off the passing lanes on driving kicks. And the Bucks didn't really get that many good looks. Another th- uh, like talking about the Bucks not getting a lot of good looks is you are giving up Giannis this three, but at least what I've seen the past few years, people love to compare Embiid and Giannis at least early on. They've kind of separated lately. He, I I really love Giannis, but I feel like he's trying to add this three pointer into a game that is not very dynamic in the first place. Like he's he's a great defender, but his offensive moves at I haven't really heard anybody talking about it. So, Derek, you might have to put me in my place here. But this guy hits a spin move or he goes to the lane and does the Euro step and gets it gets the ball at the hoop. He's honestly really similar to LeBron in the way he goes to the hoop and finishes. It's funny that you started talking about that because me and my brother-in-law, Zach, were talking about it on Christmas Day as well while we were watching the game. Or like you remember back in like LeBron's heyday, like he'd take He'd drive in, he'd make his little move, he'd take the bump, and then he'd like throw in like a little bank for the end yeah. one, right? Yeah. Well, Giannis, he takes the bump, and then he just reaches over the guy's head and dunks it in. Right. Like, like it's stupid. Because <laughs> his arms are 14 feet long. <laughs> so, I guess in that sense, if I'm a coach for the 76ers, I'm going to Embiid, and I'm going, is it Horford now, right? Yeah, they got they Embiid and Horford between the two of them. I you tell them you're like look these are what you're scared of with Giannis he's gonna come in he's gonna look for this euro step and if he doesn't have that he's gonna hit this spin move and I feel like with such a big team you match up well against the Bucks yeah one of my favorite moments of the game was a point where Giannis got it on it was kind of a fast break and Embiid was in front of him and uh, Giannis went to kind of put his shoulder into Embiid and try to draw contact for a foul. And Embiid literally just stepped out of the way and Giannis just fell out of bounds. I just thought it was, it just summed up the game so much of Giannis trying so hard to get going on what he does. And Embiid Did just... Did they call a foul on that play? I feel like they ended up calling a foul. And it sh- I don't think there should have been. I think... Because I think I remember it. 
I think I remember being like, I was like, he just pulled the chair yeah, out. Did, yeah, Andre. that's all he did. He just pulled the chair out. He stepped to the side. I was like, he didn't even touch him. He just pulled the chair out and he fell down. <laughs> it was a great play. Yeah, it was. It's, it's summed up in Bede's game so well because he's just such a, a pest and kind of an immature little turd out there. But he loved. He looked great. Give me seven games of this in the playoffs. That's all I want. I want that. I want Clips versus Lakers in the playoffs. I want to see the best teams go at each other. And I want people to be healthy. That's. That would be my my hope for 2020 playoffs when the times come around. You guys want to hit any more of the Christmas games? Celtics, Raptors? Um, uh, no, because I'm sure we'll talk about all these teams later when we're talking about contenders and pretenders. I mean, we'll, we'll be definitely talking about the Warriors as as contenders for sure. Yeah, <laughs> Matt's Western Conference Finals. But. Looking good. <laughs> knocked off the... I, knocked off I will, the Houston. Hey. I will say, even without Curry, now that they have Russell back, like they have looked a lot more respectable. Yes, that's a good way to put it. Respectable is a good way of putting it. Not necessarily the best team in the world, but they're respectable. I mean, yeah, they got the win against the Rockets on Christmas Day even. And I mean, yeah, the Rockets played like trash that day, but the Warriors reeled off three or four in a row right now at this point, I think. Sadly, uh, none of our teams played on Christmas Day. How you guys feeling about Because Megan, my wife, when we sat down to watch a basketball, she's like, so the Magic playing today? I'm like, no, they don't. They don't deserve that. That's not how it works in the NBA. <laughs> <laughs> that's not a Christmas present. That's a homework assignment. <laughs> so I, I'll give you a look, quick little um, Wizards update. Um, Isaiah suspended a few games. Yep. That's good. <laughs> uh, Rui is still out with a groin injury. That's real bad. And uh, Ish Smith is playing the basketball that I wanted him to be playing in Isaiah Thomas's shoes. Is Ish Smith starting at this point now? I think he did. Because I think I saw the lineup for the Wizards the other day, and it looked pretty rough. I think Ishmith led the led the team. Yeah, we Isaiah's out, Rui's out, John Wall out. I mean, I don't want any, Isaiah back, but any Bertans updates? Did you get a clone machine Bertans for Christmas? Been playing ball, but he's been playing average ball. No more of these shining games. Yeah, I'm sure they'll be back once the Wizards are completely eliminated from all playoff contention. Bertans will go off for about 45 games. We have made it clear we will be re-signing. <laughs> so there will be no trade in his future. Yeah, his last two games have been pretty bad. I think it would be silly to trade him, so I'm glad the Wizards. We get John Wall back, I think. How do you feel about John Wall, Matt? Do you want him back? Do you? Because uh, I've heard a lot of people talk about his, his trade value is kind of not there because he's getting paid a bajillion dollars a year. But uh, yeah, I think it, what's the hope for John Wall? I think we're going we're gonna to see uh, Rui become... A better player. I talked about him on a previous episode and how I think he's a great, he's the perfect size for the NBA right now. And I think he's got some talent. He just needs a little more coaching and he'll be a great player. Yeah. And I think if we can get another decent draft pick and you give me um, Wall, Rui, Bertans, and Beal. I'm looking at a solid team. That's a good one through four right there. There's no reason that's not a at least a that's, six seed. That's a good team. That's a real good Eastern Conference team. Yeah, that's very true. When you look at the the crap team that's sitting in like uh, the eight seed. In okay. The East, yeah, we, we, like, we, like why couldn't the Wizards be that? Hey, we'll, All right. Hey. Hey, you watch your mouth. So how's your team doing, Hayden? Well, let's talk about that that eight, perpetual eighth seed Orlando Magic. That is my. My favorite team, thanks to Derek. For anybody that might be listening to a first episode, we all pick teams for each other to be fans of this year. And I got luckily got to be with the Orlando Magic. Um, they played a, they played a lot of games since the last time. They lost to the Blazers. They won versus the Chicago Bulls. And uh, my notes on that is that their defense was incredible. 
I mean, the the downside is against the Chicago Bulls, who put up 73 points in a game <laughs> this season. Um, but everybody was blocking shots. Mo Bamba was throwing down. Um, Vucevic was blocking shots. Jonathan Isaac is a great defensive presence. He actually had eight steals last night in a loss against the Bucks. But everybody looked good. We just don't have an offense. The best offensive threat is Nikola Vucevic, who is not a player that you're scared of. Um, maybe Terrence Ross, but he always comes off the bench. He's probably the best scorer that they have on the team. Um, basically the, the team consists of two guards and DJ Augustine, Evan Fournier, and I guess Markel Fultz has another guard, but I, I just, I've mentioned it earlier in the season. I don't have much hope for that guy. I want him to do well, but I just, I don't see him coming back to a number one pick. He's going to be kind of a, not a Anthony Bennett but not a Ben Simmons. Let's just say that way. Um, Evan Fournier and DJ Augustine are kind of the C-minus version of a Dame and CJ McCollum. They're very, very similar in the game. Like kind of Dame and CJ kind of play the same game. And when they play well, they can beat anybody. But when they don't play well, it's they're very easy to stop. And that's kind of how DJ Augustine and Evan Fournier are. This is the most anybody's When they play stopped. well, they can beat some people. And when they don't play well, they can't beat anybody. Can't be, exactly. That's a great way of putting it. And the the, the highlight was the... The, the fact that the Magic beat the 76ers, the Marco Fultz revenge game where he scored a solid 13 points. Um, that Just the highlight was the very beginning of the game. He was being guarded by Ben Simmons, and Ben Simmons left him wide open on three, and Marco Fultz pulled up with his ugly-ass <laughs> jump shot. And I, I won't say drained a three because that's not what happened. He shot a three-pointer. It hit off the back of the rim, shot up about 15 feet in the air, and fell right through <laughs> for a swish afterwards. I just thought that was hilarious. It was <laughs> summed up the Marco Fultz's uh, his career so far where he has potential, but his shot looks like crap. And uh, that's what's going on with the Magic. I did get a Orlando Magic t-shirt thanks to my little brother. Shout out, Mason. For Christmas, um, I was doing some Christmas shopping with my wife at the mall a couple weeks before Christmas, and I stopped in Lids to maybe try and pick up a magic hat. And there was literally, Lids. literally, Free plug. literally no magic gear in sight. Every other team I could find, I couldn't find magic thing anywhere. So their marketing team is is rough. I just think they're an incredibly unlikable team, uncool, un. Uh, talented for the most part but what keeps happening is they're they're 14 and 18 i think right now and they're the eighth seed and they're just going to keep being the eighth seed for the next 12 years and that's all i got going for my team so my my big question for you about the magic uh how many more instagram likes did you get on that comment i got i think about like 17 or 18 at this point it's a pretty Ooh, orlando, that's like all of them then. I, that's basically most of the orlando magic I, I wouldn't be surprised if seven of them are from people on the team <laughs> that are liking their own comment but yeah still trying to stay engaged with the orlando magic they're very they are very responsive to my comments and other people's comments because i don't think there's much going on usually the first 12 comments are all the instagram uh bots that are all girls trying to get you to go view their their story that are all fake robots and then there's like one or two people there's a guy <laughs> Shout out this guy. His his Instagram handle is just Marco Fultz, and he just comments Marco Fultz on every single picture. <laughs> every single Orlando Magic picture is just Marco Fultz. You can't be sure that the picture is actually of Marco Fultz. It would be hilarious if it was actually Marco Fultz doing this, but just some guy. It's like Marco underscore Fultz underscore, and every picture is just Marco Fultz. Okay, so speaking speaking of fans of our teams, uh, Hayden, did you see? 
who uh, Matt's celebrity fan is? Super fan. For the Wizards? Super There's fan. a super fan? Celebrity super fan. Um, well, he was at the game yesterday. Let me make a Here's guess. Here's a hint. Matt, give, Here's me a hint. Yeah, give me a hint. You could buy the Halloween mask. Here, here, here's Smash Mouth. <laughs> Smash Mouth is the hint? Yeah, you got to put that together. You got to piece that one together. Mike Myers. Yes. <laughs> Shrek is a big fan yes. of the Wizards. I did not know how he was going to make that connection, and I'm shocked that he did. <laughs> I was like, Matt doesn't know the name of the lead singer of Smash Mouth, so it's not going to be him. What's Smash to be Mouth? fair, do you know the name of the lead singer of Smash Mouth? I was going to say Chad Kroger, but I think that's Nickelback, right? <laughs> I also much think Nickelback. that's Nickelback. <laughs> so Mike Myers is a Wizards fan. Good for them. Well, he's at the game. <laughs> he's at the we, game. We can pretend. <laughs> yeah, uh, who are they playing? He could be a fan of them. Okay, so uh, the Grizz went 2-3 and three this week. Uh, lost to the Cavs, which wasn't great. Uh, the Spurs and also the Nuggets. And the Nuggets game, they actually scored 11 points in the first quarter. <laughs> but they only ended up losing by 9 because they scored 42 in the fourth. Jeez. So I'm, I'm interested to look up and see like what the greatest disparity between like quarter scoring totals is within a single game yeah. per team. Because I feel like scoring 31 more points in a quarter than another quarter uh, is uh, pretty remarkable. But they also beat the Kings and OKC, which OKC's been a lot better than people thought they were going to be. Like, I had a feeling they'd at least be, like, decent. But I didn't think they'd be over 500 at any point, at least this deep in the season. And I think they were 15 and 14 before they lost to the Grizz. I'm a fan of the Thunder. I like, I like the, way, the way they're playing right yeah, now. Yeah, uh, Shy Gilgis Alexander was almost my big baller this week, but I thought he was too mainstream. But uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. was pretty good this week. Average almost 21 points a game with uh, two blocks. But the guy's just not rebounding at all. The most rebounds he had in any single game this week was five. Wow. And that's, that's out of like that's out of your 6'11 power forward. Rebounds but are now cool, know, man. Yeah, now I know like Valanciunas eats up a lot of rebounds too, but still, like, go get some rebounds, Jaron. How old is Jaron Jackson? Do you know, is he like 21 or 20 years old or something like that? Uh, I think he's 20. Because I remember him being one of the youngest guys in his draft class. Rebounds just aren't cool. Second year, people just don't want rebounds. Jaron Jackson wants to throw up threes and get highlights. He just doesn't want to get. Oh yeah, he he just turned twenty in September. Gotcha. Uh, But uh, another reason for optimism: Grayson Allen's actually turned into a pretty nice role player off the bench for them. He's just under ten points a game, and he's like forty percent behind the arc this year. So if he can keep doing that, I mean, another Duke guy, JJ Redick, took took him a couple years to turn into. I mean, the, just the super role player that we've seen for most of the last decade. Uh, Grayson Allen kind of following a similar career path. He's the tripping guy, right? Yes, he was the guy who <laughs> tripped everybody. <laughs> Can't believe he still got a job. That's impressive. Okay, but uh, the reasons they suck, just they're abysmal defensively. Uh, a lot of it has to do, I mean, young players are typically bad defensively. Uh, even Jaron Jackson Jr., who was heralded as a defensive prospect, has been probably mediocre at best as a defender so far. John Morant, uh, I just looked at the numbers out of like every point guard in the league, which like includes starters and backups. Like he's ranked like 59th defensively and like real plus minus. And I know his box score numbers aren't great defensively either. So like E rates is one of the worst defensive point guards in the league. Dylan Brooks is not a defender. Uh, Valanchunas, uh, he's a decent rim protector. 
Uh, he's a big body down there in the paint, but he can't really get out and guard the pick and roll all that well. Uh, they ended up giving up 145 points in their loss to the Spurs, and the Spurs just aren't a very good defense. <laughs> the, the Spurs purge. aren't even a very good <laughs> offensive team this year. I mean, they just they live in the mid range, and we still gave up 145 points. And as for the future, we're we're still stuck. Uh, we're tied Jesus. for eighth with the Pistons, which we need to get into that top six if we don't want to lose our pick. Uh, so right now, it kind of looks like we're hoping for lottery luck. But also, there's a lot of teams that are in that like bottom six right now that have been playing better lately. Uh, we talked about the Warriors a little bit earlier. The Knicks are five and six since Mike Miller took over. So, I mean, I think there's an opportunity for some teams to accidentally win some games and pass up the Grizzlies. But, I mean, Trey Young, it kind of, like, gives me kind of some caution with uh, John Morant right now because Trey Young puts up incredible stat lines, incredible offensive efficiency, but the Hawks are so bad and it's really tough to build around him because he is so putrid defensively. So like if he can't improve defensively, if John Morant doesn't improve defensively, it's going to be real tough to win games on a consistent basis with any of them. And also, I just think it's hilarious that Cam Reddish is still just bad. So like he's real bad, like real real bad. Did did the uh, whole Atlanta Hawks team just take the offseason off? Did they do anything this offseason? I feel like they're the exact same team they were last year, if not worse. I mean, they brought in uh, DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish as rookies. I think that was kind of, they're like, let's just bring in some more young guys. And they thought Trey Young will get a little bit better. John Collins will get a little bit better. And I think they kind of got, uh, it, it set them back that Collins got busted for PEDs. Jabari Parker's new to the mix, I think. Oh, yeah, I forgot Jabari. But he's not really, he's, he's, a, he's a 25-point game and then, four games of shooting two for 13 like he's just not consistent by any means yeah if you don't count Collins, since he's only played in eight games uh jabari parker's their second leading scorer right now at 15.4 that's not a recipe for success by any means and and the two rookies that they have deandre hunter and cam reddish neither one has been particularly good deandre hunter's obviously been a lot better than reddish but that's not saying much so yeah it's kind of tough down there in atlanta maybe who knows uh i remember hearing that uh Atlanta just has great strip clubs, so maybe they're just all caught up in that. Yeah, that's that's the the major off season pool for any um, any signings. I've actually heard uh, I can't remember I was listening to another podcast where they're saying a lot of times people don't want to sign in Atlanta because they you said that this was the podcast, Matt. Didn't you say they don't want to sign in Atlanta because they might have side chicks there or something like that? I, I did hear that. that, but I don't know how factual that is. I think you did tell us that. Yeah, it's one hundred percent fact. What great podcast did I hear that? that. Must have been, must have been jump ninety five. All right, let's move on from the Hawks and our terrible teams. Let's talk about some big ballers, boys. Uh oh, welcome to Big Baller Zone. Who wants to go first, Matt? I want you to go first. Um, we're gonna flash back to the Clippers team that takes down L.A. on okay. Christmas. Uh, the the yep. other L.A. they did not take down themselves on Christmas, and uh, we're gonna go to the big yet not so big Montrez Harrell. Oh, yeah. I love me some Trez. Power forward and center. I thought very solid performance, and he did a great job matching up against AD, and I do not think that their defense would have looked as good as it did had he not been on the court that game. Mm -hmm. I am one of the many millions who tuned in for that one, and looking for somebody who I thought was shining that week, uh, he definitely stood out to me as well as previous weeks. I checked back on him a little bit because I haven't kept up um, at least watching too many Lakers games, and I hadn't heard much about him, but 
the guys seems to be playing that hit or miss basketball where he has potential to have a good week. So um, bringing him this week to my big baller, Montrez Harrell, I will be looking at him the upcoming weeks, seeing if he can have some more good games. If we were smart, we'd keep a track of every single big baller that we picked. And then at the end of the season, do a draft for the, the strongest big ballers of the week. I first picked the guy who made the court from last week. <laughs> first round, <laughs> first, first pick. <laughs> yeah, I, I love Montrez Harrell. I love Montrez Harrell. He's actually, uh, he's only 26. Uh, he's a unrestricted free agent this offseason. I've been telling a lot of people that I think the Cavs should just throw a max contract at him. Because I don't think anybody will match that. And I mean, the Cavs got to overpay if they want to get anybody. And uh, I mean, who else are they going to pay that money to? I guess. I mean... If any of their young guys pan out, they still don't have to pay them for four or five years. So by that time, Harold's contract would have expired. Yeah. So I say just throw the money at him now, and then you got a big man in his prime locked down. Maybe Garland or Sexton turns into something. Maybe you can get somebody else in the draft next year. Kevin Porter Jr. looks like somebody. Maybe Windler's somebody. Would be nice to add to a young core. <laughs> Maybe yep. somebody is somebody on the Cavs. That's, that's the hope that we have. Yeah, this guy is younger than me. Feels bad, man. There are washed up NBA players that are younger than me, so I'm just dealing with that. Players that have got through the prime of their career. You know, given his name, he would be a first uh, candidate to be on the Monstars in a Space Jam movie. And I think he knows yeah, by the it way he plays. Because his, uh, I'm looking at his Twitter handle, kind of looks like that. Monstat Rez. <laughs> or is it Monsta Trez? Yeah. I think it might be Monster Trez. <laughs> might be. I think it's Monster. Monster Monster. I I alluded to it earlier, but my big baller of the week. Frick on Corkmas. Damn you! <laughs> damn you! <laughs> I think everybody was looking forward to the matchup on on the the Bucks versus Seventy Sixers. Everybody was looking forward to the Frick on Corkmas versus Urson Ilyasova matchup. I mean, everybody was talking about it leading up. Who's going to take the game? Who's going to be the real X factor? I had pay-per-view on that one. <laughs> Big Furky. Also, Furky is his nickname on Basketball Reference, and I think that is a hilarious nickname because it's just so bad sounding. Dude, career averages are 6.1 points, but he went for four or five and three-pointers versus the Sixers, or versus the Sixers, versus the Bucks. He was a plus 20 on the floor. He had back-to-back three-pointers, including a four-point play. Usually the 76ers are 20th in three-point three-pointers per game, but they made 21 threes that game, like Derek mentioned earlier. And the real highlight was the one attempt where Ferky was really feeling himself and he tried to do an off-the-backboard dunk. I don't know if any of you guys saw that. He got caught in the lane, tried to pull the LeBron off the backboard, grab it for a dunk, and just threw it straight off the backboard to absolutely nobody. <laughs> it was awesome. So shout-out Ferky this week. Big D, who you got this week, buddy? So uh, my big baller of the week, uh, coming off of Matt's second favorite team, the Dallas Mavericks, is Jalen Brunson. Yes. And uh, it's not necessarily for what he's done in the past week. Uh, Some of the games were in the past week, but it's kind of just mostly for that five-game stretch where they played without Luka. Listen to the five teams they played without Luka. The Miami Heat, the Milwaukee Bucks, the Philadelphia 76ers, Toronto Raptors, and Boston Celtics. Damn. Literally the top five teams in the Eastern Conference. And they went two and three without Luka. That's pretty teams. good. So that was pretty darn impressive. Uh, but here's what Brunson did in those five games. 14.6 points, 9.2 assists. He was 46, 38, 89 shooting and only had 2.6 turnovers a game. That's solid from somebody who's not used That's to great, carrying that weight. 
But yeah, most of the time he's around like 12 to 18 minutes a game off the bench for that team. But he stepped up big in those five games where Luka was out. And uh, he is my big baller of the week. Kept the Mavericks afloat. And now Luka's back doing Luka things. Just dominating everybody. Didn't really miss it. Didn't really miss a beat. <clears throat> Derek, usually we do a final segment here, and you said you, you want to lead this one. So what you got this week, buddy? Okay, so I kind of figured uh, a lot of times uh, people scream small sample size about early season basketball. Uh, we, they haven't played that many games yet. We don't really know who's good yet. But Christmas Day is usually kind of that cutoff point where people start to take things seriously when you're looking at where people are in the standings. We're not even to the midway point in the season. But uh, I think there's a lot of trends that we can kind of start to see are just who people are. And I thought it'd be kind of cool to jump in and talk about who's an actual contender and who's just pretending. So I think we'll start with the Eastern Conference. And uh, I, I went with the top six teams in each conference. Uh, we can talk about them a little. We can talk about them a lot. I'm going to start at the bottom, the Indiana Pacers. They're 16th in offense, 9th in defense which none of that sounds that impressive, but I mean, we have seen them beat the Lakers. They're on pace for over 50 wins this season. Uh, Might even be closer to 55. And Oladipo is coming back, well, according to them, hopefully late January, which is about a month away right now. So my question to you guys, do the Pacers have any chance? What's their ceiling right now? Is it an Eastern Conference Finals team? Can they make the finals? Uh, Can they win the finals? I think they can make the Eastern Conference Finals. They can make it. I, I don't think no they will. No way. <laughs> I I think the Pacers. The ceiling is a four in a, a four in one series in the first round when they lose. So if they're a six seed, whoever they're playing, the I don't know if it's the Sixers or the third seed or the Celtics. Or I think there's no chance the Pacers do anything. I, I'm I'm sorry that ah, there's a reason we don't talk about the Pacers very much because I just think they're a great regular season team. Like you said, they can win 50 games, but I don't think they can do anything. So. I have no faith in the Pacers doing anything. Sorry, Matt. Yeah, I, I just think the interesting thing is uh, Oladipo coming back because the last full season we saw him, it was 23 points a game, five rebounds, five assists, tons of steals, shooting the light. Like, he looked the part of a superstar. Remember them taking uh, – they took the Cavs down to the wire in the playoffs that year, back in 2018, and then the Cavs ended up making it to the yep. finals. And uh, Oladipo in that series averaged 23 points, mm-hmm. eight rebounds, and six assists, uh, shooting 40% on threes. So, I mean, he's a legit superstar, and he's coming back in a month or so. But I guess the real question is how rusty is he going to be? I, I think he'll be rusty. I don't think he'll be able to fit into the system as well because they've been relying a lot on Brogdon and Sabonis, and I just think it might mess up the chemistry. I know there's a lot of time left in the season, but it might just screw with the chemistry. There, there is a lot of time left in the season, and also I don't think there's a lot of, there's not a lot of stress on them. I don't think yeah. there's no chance they miss the playoffs, because I mean right now they are, they're eight games up on the ninth seed Bulls, but they're sitting yeah. in that sixth seed right now. So I mean, if if the playoffs ended today, they are playing the Celtics in the first round, and I'd pick the Celtics any day at this point. I think that'd be closer than you expect it to be. Didn't they play him last year? Wasn't it the Celtics Pacers last year? Back when Kyrie was still on the team? I think I remember making a bet with you last year, Matt. That sounds like me. Well, they also didn't have Oladipo last year in the playoffs. So, I mean, I, th- I sure. think a lot of it comes down to what Oladipo can do, how they can fit him in, how seamless they can get him into the rotation by, well, by the time the regular season ends. Because I, I think 
from the time Oladipo comes back until that first playoff game, it's all just practice for them. Because I, I don't think it all matters all that much. All you got to do is win one game on the road to steal that home court advantage. So even if they end up as the five, six, even even the seven seed, if the Nets really catch fire, yeah, because the Nets are even four games behind them, and they're the seven seed. So uh, even if they end up without home court advantage in the first round or any round, I still think that they can at least take a round. And uh, I mean, I don't see anybody in the Eastern Conference that they absolutely can't beat you got much more faith than i do man i don't have any faith in them who else we got who's who's the fifth seed the fifth seed well the next team i have up on the list is the toronto raptors uh they're 13th in offense right now but third in defense so what do you guys think about the toronto raptors what's their ceiling what's their floor do we believe i definitely think that they have the same chance that the pacers have because i think what we're talking about here with oladipo is kind of what we're getting from Pascal Siakam, which I know we talked about on another pod. I was very surprised at how much he can pick up. I think the Raptors firing on all cylinders still have potential to take games off of top teams, but it would be very tough for them to do that on a consistent basis, having to play the same team over and over again like you would in a playoff situation. Yeah, I agree with you, Matt. I actually think the Raptors, my my bold prediction is they will be playing in the Eastern Conference Finals. And I don't think they'll necessarily make it to the Finals, but I think they could be playing in the Eastern Conference Finals for sure. Yeah, I think uh, I think you phrased it well, Matt, that the Raptors kind of have the same ceiling as the Pacers, but I think the Raptors are much more likely to reach 538. I'm not sure if how much time you guys spent on this website uh, from Nate Silver, but they project the Raptors right now to finish 56 and 26 which I think might be a couple games, at least a game or two better than what they were last year. But it also only gives them a 3% chance of winning the finals. And uh, as much as Siakam, 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 yeah, Siakam, as much as he's improved and some of the role players have have improved, I don't put him in that conversation with guys who can lead teams. Like I'd take Oladipo at full strength over Pascal. Because I think a lot of being a superstar is getting those consistent points. And he sh- kind of struggles because the consistent points come at the free throw line. You look at all the top superstars, as much as people brag on James Harden, but le- like Harden, LeBron, Giannis, they live at the free, they, they go to the free throw line double digits in big games. In big games, they get to the line 10 plus times. Mm-hmm. Siakam is going to the line less than five times a game right now. Yeah. So that kind of limits those easy points, those breathers that they get throughout the game. And uh, I think once playoff time rolls around, it's going to be a lot tougher. Because, I mean, when he's really cooking, like, let's just look. uh, The other night when they played the Nets, uh, he scored 30 points, had 10 rebounds. They won. But he had to go 10 of 26 to do it. Like, it takes him a lot of possessions to get his point. And he's not necessarily inefficient. I just don't think he's efficient enough. So uh, next team we're going to talk about is uh, a team that I think we've all grown to really like over the last couple of weeks. We've talked about them a couple of times, uh, the Miami Heat. Mm, I love them. Uh, they're currently sitting as the two seed in the Eastern oh, Conference at 24 and 8. Their winning percentage is 750, which is third best in the league right now behind just the Bucks and the Lakers. So the second, the second seed, you said? Yeah, they're the second Shit. seed in the East right now, but they are only eighth in offense and 11th in defense. So they aren't really doing anything elite right now. They're winning a ton of close games. Hmm. I was looking at their point differential. Their point differential 
is actually only fifth best in the Eastern Conference. So they're actually closer to the Pacers than they are to the Raptors in terms of point differential, which is usually what a lot of the statistical models use to kind of determine long-term success. Because the teams that are winning by a lot are more likely to continue winning than the teams that are just winning by a couple points. Because the teams that win close games, a lot of that comes down to luck. And right now, 538 gives them less than a 1% chance of winning the finals. Less than a and only a 1% chance of making the finals. Wow. I definitely I think the Heat have more than those predicted chances of making the finals. Agreed. Because they're literally, everything we've described them For as sure. are, like, they're coming out of nowhere. At least Derek, I think, knew a little more than Hayden and I did. But it just seems like they're a team who is consistently playing well and consistently winning big matchups. So I don't see a reason why that would stop just because it's playoffs. I think that the Miami Heat this year, I think they are really good. I think the Miami Heat next year will be really, really good. I think that um, if they keep the same players, because a lot of their performances are getting out of rookies, as are really like, I mean, Kendrick Nunn's playing well. Tyler Hero's playing well. Uh, Duncan Robinson's not a rookie, but he's kind of a role player guy that kind of came out of nowhere. So I, I, I could see the Heat playing in the Eastern Conference Finals. I could see the Heat being in the finals. I know they say it's a one percent chance, but a series with the Bucks versus the Heat, the Heat have more threats. It feels like it feels like even Tyler Hero could hit six three pointers. Duncan Robinson could hit ten. Like Jimmy Butler could take over a game. He has that ability. That's what he was on the Sixers. He just wins games for teams. Like if it comes down to a five-point game in the fourth quarter, you got Jimmy Butler. That's a good – you got good odds on that. So I like the Heat a lot more than, than I guess, 538 does or the analysts are saying. Yeah, that's just based off a statistical model. Uh, the Heat just had a big overtime win last night. It kind of, both teams kind of choked at different points, but uh, you talked about Hero. I mean, he he had a big game last night. I mean, he only ended up with 16 points, but he had some big threes down yeah. the stretch. He's got balls. Uh, and especially on a night where Jimmy Butler went 7 of 21, Adebayo went 5 of 14, uh, Duncan Robinson uh, went 6 yep. of 6, uh, Drogic came off the bench with 19, Hero came off the bench with 16. Well, they like I think we've talked about him enough before that people know kind of why we think they're good. Uh, they play within a system, but can also break the system when they need to. Uh, I guess my glaring question for you guys on the Heat, because I think we're all in agreement on uh, that they are really good, but probably won't be there at the end of the year. Would would you guys trade for Kevin Love if you were them? And, l- and let me just put some framework around what a trade would look like. Because right now, because uh, I-, I noticed this the other day, just look at the name, Myers Leonard. And Kelly Olynyk combined for 40, 40 minutes a game for them right now. Yikes. They're basically just filling in that power forward spot alongside Adebayo. So basically, you're not taking away minutes from anybody else except those two guys. I trade for him. Trade for him. Pat Riley likes to win. Pat Riley likes to win. Pat Riley isn't afraid to do big moves. Trade for him. Get Kevin Love. Go Really go for it. I mean, get rid of... I don't know what the Cavs would need back. I don't think Miami has a lot of... Picks to trade? I don't really know how that works. Um, I don't think the Cavs are just going to take Coley, Kelly Olynyk. Uh, I'm not positive on the picks they have to trade. Obviously, the, the the young guy that would probably be targeted is Tyler Hero. Uh, 
And that's probably borderline. I mean, we even talked earlier. Young guys are not typically conducive to winning because they're so bad defensively. And Hero's not an exception to that. Uh, his on-off ratings are not good this year. The Heat are better when he's on the bench. But he's obviously capable of coming in and hitting shots and helping them win games at different junctures. I think the Cavs would take Hero. I don't think the Heat would get rid of him. I think they, they like him too much. So, But the Heat do have the money to match because they have James Johnson, who doesn't even really play for them. Mm-hmm. Myers Leonard and Kelly Olynyk all make plenty of money that they could make something work there, whether it's with draft picks or throwing in Tyler Hero. That's what they would take to probably make the trade work. Uh, but yeah, uh, just something to think about. Uh, I think if they could add a Kevin Love, I would like their chances a lot better. Okay, so we'll get moving on to the next one because we are a little short on time. We'll probably just talk about the Western Conference uh, on our next episode because uh, we got three teams left in the East and we're already over an hour. Uh, so Boston is the next team we'll talk about. They are currently fourth in offensive rating in the league and fourth in defensive rating. So. Uh, this is actually the best rated team that we've talked about so far. I think the Celtics are good. I don't know if the Celtics are Old going statement. to make as much of a, a ruckus in the playoffs. I think Kemba Walker is good. I don't know if Kemba Walker is playoff good. I mean, he's never really participated in the playoffs. He's always been on the, the crappy Charlotte Hornets. So I don't know if he has it in him to to lead a team that way. Um so I, I don't want to keep saying every team's going to be in the finals. Every team's going to be the Eastern Conference final because I, I really like the Heat. I think if there was a series between the Heat and the Celtics, I think I'd pick the Heat at this point. Um, other teams versus Celtics, I think I'd rather pick the Bucks over the Celtics. I don't think I'd pick anybody else over the Celtics, maybe the Sixers. Um, but I don't know. They're obviously much, I think they're much better without Kyrie. I think they honestly have better chances without Kyrie than they did with them. So... I think they're a strong second exit team. I'd say that. A strong second round team that might take a team to the seventh game and probably not come out with a win. So that'd be my guess at this point. I see the Celtics as the team who will fall and let the Pacers slip through. Let the Pacers through? Do you now? Yeah. Wow. Interesting. Well, you guys know that I've been all aboard uh, Kyrie's not really helping teams win as a lead dog. I, I definitely think Boston's better than they were last year. Uh, we talk, I talked about point differential a little earlier. The Celtics actually have the third best point differential in the entire league right now. Damn. Uh, the, Buc- the Bucks are first. Uh, you guys probably wouldn't guess the second team. It's the Dallas Mavericks. So they're beating people by a lot. And then, then Boston's third, just ahead of the mm. Lakers. Kemba's kind of doing uh, kind of what I talked about Jimmy Butler doing for the Heat where he can break the system when they need someone to break the system, but he also plays within it. Uh, But ultimately, I think it's going to come down to what Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown can do in the playoffs. And also, I think they're also lacking a big man, some sort of big man presence. They're missing Horford Uh, for sure. I think he's a bigger loss than Kyrie, to be honest. Very true. I I would agree with that. It helps to have Gordon Hayward back and playing well, uh, playing efficiently. Uh, But they're kind of just plugging plugging holes right now at those big man spots. The Ennis Cantor is sometimes their guy. Uh, they've been trying to work in some younger guys, Grant Williams, into, into that kind of role. And, I mean, that'd be another spot where it, we've talked about before, it's tough to make a deal with the Celtics because all their guys that are 
making money are actually good players, which is, are actually is, playing which well. is rare, surprisingly. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it'd be tough to make money work with them, either whether it's Valanchunas or Kevin Love. Some of that just tough for yeah. them to find a fit just because uh, tough to make the money work. As a Cavs fan, it would hurt to see both Kevin Love and Kyrie go to the Celtics. <laughs> it would make me a little <laughs> sad to see them both leave Cleveland and end up on that team. I would not be a fan of that. But I, I do think the Celtics can make the NBA Finals. I, I don't think they can win it. But, I mean, I guess if you can make it there, you can win it. And we've, we've seen that enough in the past where nobody really gave the Raptors much of a chance until they got there and did it. Yeah. And uh, the year that the Cavs won it, nobody gave them much of a chance until they did. So I, any team that I think can make the Finals can ultimately probably win it as well. I, I just don't... <clears throat> think they have great odds uh 538 gives them a five percent chance of winning the finals and 13 percent chance of making there's the east is close man the east is a lot closer than i guess as i'm as i'm talking about all these teams i'm like well i guess i could see that too i guess i could see that too <laughs> yeah and any of them can really beat each other it's, it it should be a fun playoff yeah it'll be fun it's fun playoffs this year okay we got two teams left uh this next team hasn't really put it together consistently this year but 538 gives them the second best odds of winning the finals coming out of the Eastern Conference, and that's the Philadelphia 76ers. 76ers are going to play the Bucks in the playoffs, I think, at some point. And I think I think the Bucks can still come out on top. I mean, I was I was maybe contradicting myself, as I said earlier, was the, the Bucks versus 76ers on Christmas Day. The 76ers shut down Giannis. But I think if there's seven games and you have Giannis playing against the 76ers, that uh he can figure it out. So I think the 76ers may be an Eastern Conference final team. I don't see him in the finals. I just, with the iteration with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, like, I don't think they're the best fit of all time. I think Tobias Harris is a, a stra- like a, a reach. I think he can put up 30 points a game and shoot 60% from three, but I also think he might fall apart and only score 10 points a game. So I don't think they're as much of a threat as... As they as they should be as a team, and if only they were buddies, maybe that would help. If they all liked each other, maybe they would be a better team. Okay, well, here's where they are right now at this point. Uh, right now, they are the five seed in the East. So, if the season ended today, they would play the Raptors in the first round as the four five matchup, and then the winner of the Bucks and the Magic, which will probably be the Magic. Which will be the Magic. So. <laughs> We all know that. I guess, obviously, they can slide up the standings. They're only two and a half games out of the two seed. But if they ended up playing the Bucks in the second round, if they went Raptors, Bucks, and then if they make the Eastern Conference Finals after that, I mean, we've already seen that they can beat the Bucks. They can, yeah. They, they, they can put it all together. It's just whether or not they will. Last year... Can they do it four uh, they, times, they, yeah. They had some playoff struggles last year, I think a lot because Embiid was not totally healthy, but... I don't think you can really count on him to be totally healthy all the time. If yeah. he is, but if he is, uh, that's the I thing like, is, he's a I huge like them as much mark. for a championship as anybody. Yeah. If MB comes in the playoffs, clicking on all cylinders, healthy, I, I don't see why not. I don't know why I see them as an, one of the more inconsistent teams in the league. It, it, the, their record doesn't show that exactly, but. I just have less faith in them for some reason to be able to consistently make it happen in the playoffs. I'm more on your side too. I've seen Joel Embiid burn out and be a fat guy that's not really taking care of his body in the way that he should and not be able to perform in the playoffs. So, and Ben Simmons not necessarily performing in the playoffs. I think 
I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely more with you, Matt. I don't, I don't see them performing. I, feel, I see them disappointing a lot of people would be how I'd put that. Yeah, well, here, here's the inconsistency showing. We've talked about how good they are at home. They're only 7-10 on the road so far this year. Yeah. And, uh, so if they don't have home court advantage in a playoff series, they may not be able to pull it off. Yeah, and instead of being up there with the Bucks, if like we just saw them beat them on Christmas Day, they're six and a half games back sitting in that five seed right now. Which would lead them with a lot of road games, and they're not necessarily road teams. So we'll see. Our last one, I think we're going to be in... Uh, I don't think there's going to be much debate for this one. The Milwaukee Bucks, they're third in offense, first in defense right now, first in point differential in the entire league by a pretty large margin. Uh, 538 gives them a 46% chance of making the finals and a 25% chance of winning it all, which is the top percentage in the league. Yeah, one of one of my top picks. Uh, definitely look so much better to me in the East than everybody else. So definitely my top contender. If anybody's going to the NBA Finals, I'll hmm. put most money on them. I will be a little contradicting and say that I'm not entirely convinced they're better, that much better than the other teams in the East. That much better than even the Heat or, like we were just talking about, the Sixers. I think they're good, but I think they're top-heavy. I don't have faith in the role players performing as well as... Uh, as, a, as they might need to win a playoff series. Giannis is Giannis. Chris Middleton, I don't like him as a number two player by any means. I don't really trust him. I don't, I don't, I don't know. He know he's an all-star last year, but I think it was a, let's pick another good player on the best Eastern Conference team. And to win the finals, I don't, I think whoever they would play in the West, I would pick over them at this point. So maybe I'm naive, but. It seems like a team, uh, this league is built on duos, built on strong players that aren't just the only guy, and Giannis is kind of the only guy, and I don't think Chris Middleton's an actual threat as a duo. So, Well, I, I, I think for the last uh, five, six years, uh, the league's really been built on trios, or even more if you look at what the Warriors had. And in order to beat a great trio, you either had to one of yourself or you had to have just an incredible duo. But now the trios are kind of gone. So now in order to beat a great duo, I think you need to have an incredible single guy. And I think that helps the Bucks Because last year, they just had a single guy looking to try and beat trios. Now they have that single great guy trying to beat up on some of these duos. Like you see LeBron and AD. You see Kawhi and Paul George. Now if they had a third superstar, yeah. Giannis isn't going to beat that. Even if they win 65, 70 games even, I still wouldn't be picking the Bucks against those teams just because it's Giannis and a lot of role players. But my, my major concern is actually a little opposite of yours, Hayden. You're worried about what the role players are going to do. Uh, I'm worried about how they're going to do when they eliminate some of those role players because they play a really deep rotation right now where Giannis is only playing 31 minutes a game. I think in their loss to the Sixers on Christmas Day, he played less than 30 minutes. When playoff rolls around, he's going to be having to play 40 minutes. Middleton, who's playing 28 right now, should be playing 35-plus. Is Budenholzer going to be able to make those adjustments with the rotation where he's still getting in the guys who need to be getting in? Uh, I mean, Kyle Korver, who I think is a regular rotation player for them, uh, probably their, their best shooter. Uh, him or him or Middleton, maybe George Hill. George Hill's been great behind the arc this year, but he's 11th on the team in minutes per game. So 
It's just going to be what buttons can their coach press, I think, and how those guys react to extended minutes and how some of those guys react to getting their minutes just chopped completely. And maybe they're only coming in for two, three minutes. Can they contribute for those two, three minutes? Or are they just going to be bums while they're out there? It's a lot more wide open than it has been in the past. It is fun to not be like, well, it's just going to be LeBron in the finals in the East. The, the Bucks kind of remind me, though, of the Raptors teams that were playing LeBron uh, the years before Kawhi got there. And they have great regular seasons. They have, I mean, DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry were really well. They had a deep team, like you were saying. They can play deep. Um, but playing deep doesn't necessarily win you championships. Uh, you don't need 10 guys to win a championship. You need maybe six or seven. And I, I have a very, very small chance of, of the Bucks beating any Western Conference team, especially if it's a team like the Clippers, who they may end up facing, because the Clippers have five pretty good starters, five couple great players, and then a couple great bench players that can could shut down anyone, can outscore anybody. So the the deep bench doesn't really help, and that's not necessarily how you win championships. Agreed. Uh, I, I talk about all the time with other high school coaches. I see guys playing 10, 11 players. I was like, if, if you want to be good, like you're not going to go from bad to good by playing less guys. But like if you're already good and you're playing 11 guys, you're probably going to get better if you cut that down to seven or eight. But uh, like I said, we're going to talk about the Western Conference next week because uh, we have gone way over what our usual time. So we're just going to go with our pickums right now. Call it an episode. Wish you all a happy new year. Our pickums for this week, New Year's Eve, going away from our typical schedule a little bit just because I looked for the better games. Uh, the Denver Nuggets are playing in Houston against the Rockets on New Year's Eve. Uh, the Rockets are favored by six and a half points. And uh, despite the Nuggets being my boys, I am going with the Rockets in this one. Um, why don't you give me the Nuggets? Ooh, I... I think that I'm going to go, I don't like the Nuggets, but I'm going to go Nuggets based on the conspiracy theory that it's New Year's Eve and James Harden and Russell Westbrook will be distracted by the parties that they're going to go to later on and that they don't really care. They'll just let, they'll let them, That's some good insight. they'll just let them lose. I know James Harden <laughs> loves to party, so let's go Nuggets. Never, never thought I'd pick the Nuggets, but that's what I'm going to do. Okay. Uh, so our second game is going to be Thursday. So that is uh, January 2nd. The Toronto Raptors are playing in Miami against the Heat, and that one is a pick'em. And I'm going to go with the Heat just because, uh, well, we can kind of talk about both teams, and I just kind of favor the Heat over the Raptors at this point. Yeah, let's go Heat. I'm, I'm going to stick with the Heat because I don't really have faith in the Raptors with all the injuries they're dealing with right now. So I'll go Heat as well. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see who is actually playing for the Raptors at that point because a lot of their guys sat out their most recent game. All right, boys. I know we went way over our time this week, but uh, I, I had fun. I'm excited to see how this one turns out. Shout out Mike Schaefer. Thanks for listening, everybody. Follow us on all the socials at Jump95Podcast or at Jump95Hayden, at Jump95Derek on Twitter. Um, Derek is much more active on there. I'm more active Always. on Instagram. So look for, look for me in the Orlando Magic comments, and we will see you guys again next week. Peace. Turtles.